Let's take our copy of the Word of God, please, and go to the book of Colossians together. We'll continue to go verse by verse through this book of the Word of God to see what God has to say to us. We're in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 5. We'll pick up our reading. Three verses this morning that the Lord has for us to consider in His Holy Word. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 5. The Bible says this, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. God bless the reading of His Word. I'm preaching this morning on, a, this morning on an unseen visitor. An unseen visitor. Sort of odd the way the Bible reads. I don't even know there's a good explanation, a perfect explanation of it. I think it's probably more than meets the eye, but we'll take a stab at it. Would you look at verse 5 again? The Apostle Paul says to these Colossians, which had not seen his face before, the Bible says in verse number 5, For though I be absent in the flesh... Yet am I with you in the Spirit. Now, if he just stopped there, that wouldn't be such a difficult phrase, you know. He's, his Spirit is there, but that's not all he says in the, in the verse. He says, I'm absent from you. I'm not present there. When you meet together, I'm not there. I'm in, he's far, far away. But he says, though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying... And beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. This unseen visitor, the Apostle Paul with the Colossians, they didn't, they weren't aware of it, I guess, until he told them. He says, when you meet, my spirit is there. And when you meet, I am joying. And when you meet, I am beholding what's going on. He said, now how is that possible? Did he have a ghost that traveled over there? Well, before I answer that, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians because this is not the first time that he said that to a church that he was not present at. He lets the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 know that he is also an unseen visitor in their assembly. Very odd phrasing, wouldn't you think? We have a lot of unseen unseen people, but they're not visiting. <laughs> we have a lot of people that are part. We have people that are part of our church that that don't show up all the time. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about internet services. <laughs> I'm not present there, but I'm. They, they don't have that there. There is something very pointed that he said. Would you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5? He says it here, verse 
Number three, for I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am there, present with you, judging. Now, one of the texts, go to First Thessalonians. He said it to that church as well. What's going on here? And these three words of this unseen visitor, the Apostle Paul, one church, he says, I am joying in your assembly. He says, I am beholding things in your assembly. And in the Corinthian epistle, he says, I am judging things in your assembly. First Thessalonians chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 17 to the Thessalonian church, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. He said to the Thessalonian Christians, I'm not there with you, I've been taken away from you, but my heart is still there. An unseen visitor. His heart was there. His knowledge was there. His judgment was there in all these texts. And they weren't aware that his spirit was present. His judgment was present. And he was beholding their order and steadfastness. This morning, I I want to say to you that we have an unseen visitor with us today. Matter of fact, we have more than one. You know, there, there are more persons in this building than the bodies that are sitting in this seat, these seats. There's an unseen visitor. There's an unseen visitor that's with us in spirit. And even so, as the Apostle Paul, he's also judging, and he's also joying, and he's also beholding. Did not the Lord Jesus Christ say, where two or three gathered together in my name, there am I? In the midst, you know, Jesus is here this morning. You say, well, I don't, don't feel him. Well, you've got a problem with your feeler. You say, well, I can't, we can't see a lot of things that are real. You can't see bacteria with your naked eye. You, you can't see a lot of things that, that the human eye fails to see, but they're just as real as anything else. The Lord says to the To the churches of Revelation, he said, I'm in the midst of your candlestick. I'm walking in the midst of the churches. That's what he said. And I know your works. I see what's going on. And I'm a participant. You just are not aware of it many times. But not only the Lord is an unseen visitor, Jesus is here this morning. And that's the great thing about coming to church when there are believers together, we meet together, Jesus is here. So whatever you need from Jesus, you can find because He's right here. He's not far away, He's here. I'll never forget that old brother. I was preaching in Virginia. Amen. He was a World War II veteran and been captive for so many years behind the the Nazi lines. The the Nazis had uh, 
captured. I don't know how many years he spent as a prisoner of war, but that old guy had scars, man. He sat back there in the service. I remember we got, we got to having a service one day and the Lord just manifest His presence. His presence is always there, but sometimes it's manifested. And I remember old brother David said, he, he, he yelled out, Preacher! <laughs> I said, yes sir, brother David. He said, the Lord's here. I said, I know He's here, brother David. He said, you don't understand. He's right here. You say, that's crazy. It's not half as crazy as people that go to church that never know he was in the building. An unseen visitor. Paul says, I'm not there in the flesh, but my spirit is there, and I'm beholding, and I'm joying. Not only is the Lord here, the Bible says the angels desire to look into what we're doing. That's 1 Peter chapter 1. They like to watch us praise. They don't understand it. Oh, there's a spirit world out there. I mean, hey, you can have your, 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 your wicked, satanic Halloween holiday and all the ghosts. We ain't talking about ghosts. We're talking about real stuff. Amen. We're talking about real angels that are hovering around and watching. You believe that? I believe that. But they're not just, I believe there's some devils in here this morning too. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says when Jesus was sowing that word of God, he said, here comes the fowls. And the fowls were always present. The fowls are the devils. And they want to steal that good word of God, that good seed of God out of somebody's heart and mind that's listening to the word of God. Oh, yeah, the devils are here. The devils are here trying to get you to think about something else besides Jesus, something else besides your need. Maybe think about whatever you're mad about or upset about or disappointed about. We got all kind of unseen visitors here this morning. Say hello to them. Yeah, they're here. Matter of fact, some of them are more here than maybe you're here. I mean, the body. That, <laughs> have you ever gone past a casket and they, they, you know, that person is not there. Their body's there, but they're not there. You can be, just because the body's there doesn't mean that, that, somebody is, that somebody is present. And just because a body's not there does not mean that somebody is not present. That's what he's saying in this text. An unseen visitor is with us. I think I see that. You know, in this text in Colossians, he talks about the Trinity and how that is an unseen unity that's together and the trinity is knit together with god's people you know as a body of believers there we, we are a part of the body of christ the bible says we're members of his body of his flesh and of his bones and he talks about us communing with the body of christ and with the blood of christ all that is is unseen many times i think i get some more insight in that all the way back in the old testament what he means that i'm there beholding and judging and joy. Go to 2 Kings chapter 5. Would you go all the way back there? What a place to find Scripture with Scripture to say, what is Paul meaning when he's talking about, I'm not there in body, but I'm there. Now, I don't, as I said, I don't have a problem with the, I'm, my spirit's there. I'm there in spirit. My heart's there, which is what we're going to see in 2 Kings. But he says he's beholding. 
Now that's what gets me. Paul says, though he's not there, he's seeing what's going on. Did y'all see that in your Bible? I'm not there, but I'm beholding things. How's that possible? In 2 Kings chapter 5, here we find Elisha's servant Gehazi that's full of covetousness and goes after Naaman to go get uh, some money without the knowledge of Elisha. He He doesn't think Elisha sees him. And the Bible says in verse number 25 of 2 Kings chapter 5, But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. (laughs) And he said unto him, Watch it. Went not mine heart with thee. When the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee, Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and oliveyards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servant and maid servant? You see, Gehazi didn't know that when he went after Naaman, there was an unseen visitor that went with him. Elisha went with him. His heart went with him. And not just his heart went with him, but Elisha knew what was going on when he went. He saw him. Get the money from Naaman. He saw him get the... He said, how did he see him? He wasn't there in the... Well, there's a whole lot more eyesight than physical eyesight. Look at the very next chapter, 2 Kings chapter 6. Here's the great war that's going on with Syria and Israel. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He said, Every time I do something, Israel knows about it before I even do it. How is this possible? Who's the traitor? Who's the spy? Look at the next verse. Verse 12. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Do you see that? He said, he said to the king, he said, what you don't understand is that prophet can see and hear things though he's not even there. God is filling him in on the details. I believe God was filling the Apostle Paul in on the details. He was beholding their steadfastness. He was beholding and he was joying over their faith. He was looking at their order. He saw them. God filled him in on what was going on in that church just like he did the other churches. We have an unseen visitor with us and I'm not so worried about your dad or your mom seeing or knowing what you're doing even if they're not around or the pastor seeing or knowing what you're doing when he's not around or your friends. But I'm telling you what, there is an unseen visitor with you. And just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. So the first thing I see in this text is The unseen visitor is with us. He's there. What's he doing? The Bible said in Colossians chapter 2, he's joying. He's happy. 
Now here's my question. Is the unseen visitor happy? In Colossians 2, he's joying. He said in verse number 5, Though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying. However, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he's not joying, he's judging. He was there in that assembly, but he was judging. I wonder this morning, is the unseen visitor of the Lord Jesus Christ that's with you, is he happy? Are you making him happy? Or are you making him judge you? Mm. He's here this morning. Is he joying over the way you sung today? Did the unseen visitor step back and say, Boy, that was a good one today. Look at their heart. Look at their song. Or did the unseen visitor watch you and shake his head and say, Well, I guess I'll have to take my hand and finger around into their life. Try to get their attention a little bit better. Because they're not doing those things that are pleasing to me. I don't know about you, but I want to put a smile on the face of the unseen visitor. And I don't want him to just joy when I come to church. I want him to joy when I leave church. Because here's the thing about the good Lord. He just doesn't walk in this building and then you walk away from him. If you're saved by the grace of God, he goes with you. Just like Elisha said to his servant, I went with you when you went down there. Are you making the unseen visitor joyful? Notice what he says. Not only the unseen visitor that is with us, we can cause joy in his heart. But he said in Colossians chapter 2, let's keep reading verse number 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. The unseen visitor is with us. The unseen visitor is watching us, beholding. That's an intent look. It says first thing he's looking at is our order. So many people's lives are out of order. Even church services are out. You know, the Bible says let everything be done decently and in order. I think that's a, a strange phrase that he would say, I'm beholding your order. In other words, I watched you Sunday school time. And then I watched you pray. I watched how you took up the offering. I beheld the order of how the announcements came next. I watched the order then of the preaching of the Word of God. I beheld the order then of the invitation time. I looked at all of the organization and the order of the service, of the gathering. If God takes notice of those things, you think He takes notice of the order or the disorder of our lives? I wonder if the Lord came to us and said, I've been watching the way you live. Boy, everything's in order. Or would He come to us and say, What a fiasco, man. Everything's out of order. By the way, you know what the order ought to be? Jesus first. That's the order. In all things, the previous chapter said that he should have the preeminence. That's the order. If the Lord is is not first, it's out of order. He said, I'm beholding your order. I know what priorities you have. And then he says this, I'm beholding your order and 
the steadfastness of your faith. I'm watching you and I'm seeing how steadfast you are. What does it mean to be steadfast? The old 1828 dictionary says, steadfastness is firmness of mind. We live in a day where people aren't firm in their mind. Fixedness in place. That's what steadfast is. Something that's fixed in its place. Or fixed in its principle. Resolute. Paul says, I am beholding your steadfastness. I can see how resolute you are, how fixed you are, how firm you are with the things of God. The Bible says, the early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You know, we live in a day in this Laodicean age that's even mentioned in this very chapter. We live in a day where people are losing their steadfastness in doctrine and they're changing the doctrines that the church has always believed and always preached. And Paul, the unseen visitor, says, I saw you change your doctrine. Or I saw you stand firm in your doctrine. Well, I'm glad I can tell you this morning that I believe exactly what my daddy taught me to believe that's in glory today. Still in the same, same shoes, same belief. And not only that, still had the same doctrine that my granddaddy had. Had the same doctrine that our forefathers gave to us. He says, I see how steadfast you are. The Bible tells us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't let God, don't let the devil move you. You know the Lord watches how we move. If we start moving, guys, I'm telling you. You know what people do today in Christianity they, they move all the way up to the edge. Just to get as close to being a heathen as they can be. <laughs> Without being one. They moved. Why not move closer to the Lord? Why not get more steadfast? He said they, the early church was steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. He sees how steadfast we are to fellowship one with another and, and stay together. He also sees if we're not steadfast, if we're easily moved away from the church, moved away from the things of God, moved away from the things we've been taught. I'll give you a verse. 2 Peter 3, 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Christian cannot, a born again child of God can't fall into hell, but they can certainly fall from their steadfastness. They can be movable. Don't let the devil move you. Don't let your emotions move you. Don't let life and problems and struggles and trials move you. Don't let what's going on in our world move you. Don't let it move your doctrine. Don't let it move your lifestyle. Don't let it move your commitment to Christ. Be steadfast in your faith because the unseen visitor is watching. He knows every 
inch you give. Or he knows if you're faithful. If you're always abounding in the work of the Lord and you're steadfast. I think I see that phrase in a different light in verse number 7 where he's seeing our steadfastness, our order, our steadfastness. Look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Established in the faith. You see that establishment, that, that steadfastness, it's almost like what we were, we were preaching about in Colossians chapter 1 verse 23. Do you remember that? Verse 23. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the God. Do you see that steadfastness? Do you see that establishment? Here's what the Bible says about being established. And the vis- unseen visitors watching. James 5, 8 says, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. If we only knew how close things were, we wouldn't move. If we were patient. Guys, you know why people move? They're not patient enough to wait on God. They're not patient enough to let God move and work it out. So they move. And the Bible says, be patient, brethren. Establish your hearts. Let them get settled. Let them them be steadfast. Because the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I tell you what, when Jesus comes, I don't want Him to find me out in the field somewhere. I want Him to find me right where He planted me, right where He placed me, right where He intended me to be. And He's watching. The Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Oh, the attack of the enemy and the devil to make you fall from your steadfastness. Get you to lose your mind. Get you to think things God doesn't want you to think. All these insecurities. All this insecurity. You know what? It's trying to remove somebody's confidence in God. You know, it's like the guy, that, the person that walks in and they think everybody's looking at them, everybody's thinking about them. Guys, nobody cares. Everybody's their enemy. But there is an unseen visitor watching you. There is an unseen visitor to know how stable you are in your life for God and how, you're, how settled your love is and how, how strong your priorities are and how deep your commitment is to the Word of God. There is an unseen visitor beholding your steadfastness. And that's why we're, we remain steadfast and do the will of God. Not for one another, not so somebody can say we have a good testimony or whatever. No, because we want the unseen vision. We want the Lord that's beholding us to be pleased and joy over our steadfastness. I, I see one of the things he's looking at. He's looking at their order. He's looking at their steadfastness. Then verse number 6. Colossians 2 verse 6, the Bible says, As ye therefore... As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You know what he's looking at? He's looking at their walk. He's looking at how they're walking. 
As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. You know, uh, living for Jesus is not the same as receiving Jesus. <laughs> Being saved, that, if you're saved, you've received Christ. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I'm glad for the day I opened up my heart and I received Jesus. I received him. I wanted him. That's salvation. When you receive Christ. But he says as you've received Christ. Now I want you to walk in him. Because all, not all the time does our walk. Match our reception. It goes like this in the book of Galatians. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says in Galatians chapter 5, he says, If we live in the Spirit, that's salvation, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's the daily Christian life. You know, we have a disconnect today that there, there are some of our liberal friends that think, well, as long as I've received Christ, nothing else matters. No, the unseen visitor is watching your walk. He's watching how you walk. Now guys, when somebody goes down, unless, unless you know they're, they got their britches halfway down and they're doing something, I don't notice anybody's walk unless they're strutting like a peacock. As you walked into church this morning, I didn't, I didn't look at how you walked in service. But here's what the Lord's saying. I'm watching every step you take in your walk of life. I watch where you're going. I watch what you're doing. That's the unseen visitor. He's examining our walk. Are we walking by faith? Notice what it says. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. What does it mean to walk in Him? Well, it means that we're walking in faith in Him. It means we are walking in Him by looking to Him. It means we are walking in Him by leaning on Him. It means we are walking in Him by letting us, letting Him strengthen our lives. We are counting on His power. Our walk is in Him, not by our own power, not by our ability, but by the power of Christ, by the indwelling Christ that is strengthening us and causing us to walk. To walk in Him means that our walk is being influenced by Him. Our walk is being directed by Him. It has to do with my lifestyle. Your lifestyle doesn't make you a Christian, but if you are saved by the good grace of God, I want you to know the Lord is watching your lifestyle. He's watching every time you reject sin or you give in to temptation. The unseen visitor. He says, I'm beholding your order, your steadfastness, and as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. I'm looking at your walk. How's your walk? How's your walk? Are you walking where he wants you to walk? Are you being led in the paths of righteousness for his namesake? Could you really sing, sing from your heart this morning? Where he leads me, I will follow. Instead of me charting the path of my life or living the lifestyle that I'm interested in. No, I'm walking in him. He is my path. He is making those steps in my life. The unseen visitor that's with 
us, the unseen visitor that's watching us, our order, our steadfastness, our walk. Then lastly, verse number seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. The unseen visitor's with us, the unseen visitor's watching us, and then the unseen visitor is a witness to our growth or our lack of growth. Notice what he says in the verse, verse 7, rooted. That's a tree. That's like a tree. It's a plant. Rooted. Now look, if you've got good roots, it's, it's, it's just assumed that this tree, this plant, if it's rooted well, if it's not diseased, if it's alive, it's going to grow. Is that right? Rooted. Well, why is God rooted? Who is our root? The Bible says our root is Christ. The Bible says that He is the root and the offspring of David. The reason things don't grow, even if they're religious, is because they have no root. That's what Jesus said in the book of Mark in the parable of the Sower. He said they're not growing and they're not staying because they have no root in themselves. The seed fell on their heart, but it didn't take any root down in them the root are you rooted in him do you have some roots down there we you know we used to say that you know i i moved back home that's where my roots are are your roots in jesus you know if you those roots of that tree or that plant you know the bible says we're we're supposed to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His, wheat, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We're supposed to be growing and popping out fruit. But we can't do that unless we get nourishment from the root. The nourishment. If we don't have that close relationship with the Lord and we're not feeding off rooted and built up in Him. He's the root and I'm getting nourishment from my life and it's causing me to grow. Don't let things stunt your growth, man. You know, God is a witness to how much we're growing. Guys, if you hadn't been saved, if you've been saved any length of time and you're not growing, the unseen visitor is saying, what's going on with this tree? Why aren't they growing? He said, rooted and built up in him. Not only is he likened us to a tree, he likens us to a building. Rooted and built up. Up. The building's always supposed to go up. Closer and closer to God. Higher and higher for his glory. And God, the unseen vision of the Lord, he's watching what's happening with the building of our life. Oh, so many people's, the building of their home and their life and their heart and their mind is crumbling. It's not building up and getting higher and higher. It's falling to pieces because there's no nourishment. Thank God for the good foundation of the building. Our foundation is Christ. Jesus is the foundation. He is the rock of our soul as I sung, sung this morning. He is the rock. He's the foundation. But He's not just the foundation. We have got to be built up in Him. He's also the one trying to add more floors and more stories to my life. 
You know, we have here, we, we have people come to church and they, they walk out there and look at the building and say, anything happened this week? How many, how many have done that? You done that? Well, why didn't they get the doors on this week? Right? I wonder when the, when, I wonder when the electricity is going to be installed. You, you know what you want? You want to see progress on that building. And when you see progress on the building, you get excited. You get happy about it. Is that all right? And if you don't see progress very long, you don't appreciate it very much. Let me ask you a question. What does the unseen visitor see in the progress of your life? In the building of your faith, in the building of your relationship with the Lord, and your fellowship, and your sacrifice, and your service for the glory of God. How many floors have you let Him add to your life? Be back tonight, boy. God, God's been just wringing my heart out. You know what we get? We get satisfied with, with the level of the floor. And the unseen visitor saying, Where's the doors, man? When's the sheetrock going up? When's electricity going to be installed? When, when are you finally going to lead somebody to Jesus Christ? When are you going to finally do something for the glory? I mean, it's one thing if the building just started, but if you've been saved a long time, there needs to be some more floors on the building. And the unseen visitors watching the progress or the lack of it. And it's not just things on the outside, and I'm finished with this. The unseen visitor is watching my lack of growth or the absence of my lack of growth. And this is what he says in Colossians chapter 2. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught. In other words, if you're not listening to God, if you're not listening to those that are giving you the word of God, you're never going to grow any. You know why some people are stunted in their growth? Because they, they won't listen. They won't listen to what they've been taught. You know what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3? He said, verse 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw uh, yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which ye have received of us. He said, I expect you to follow and to listen to what I told you to do positively and negatively. And I'm telling you, some people will not listen to God long enough to grow. It's not you being pulling up yourself by your bootstraps and having the know-how to make something out of your life. Oh, no, no. He tells us, as ye have been taught, if you'll let your life be built up on the things that God's trying to teach you, it'll add another level to your life. It'll put another door on the hinge. Amen. It'll finish the thing that's unfinished if you'll just listen to what God's trying to teach you. He tells us in this verse, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye hath been taught. And then he says this. As this floor goes up, this is growth as well. Not just what you can see on the outside. Look at it. In the verse 7. Abounding. See, that's abounding. That's more floors going up. Abounding therein with what? 
With what? The floors can't go up without thankfulness. You see that? God deliver me from some Pharisee that has everything out on the, on the outside, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and they have no joy and thankfulness and peace, no smile on their face, no gratitude to God. Oh, that building. Look, guys, you, you know what? We're not just trying to fill the building up with people. You know what we want to fill up the building with? We want to fill it up with joy. Amen. We want a church full of people just thanking God. We want a church full of people that, are, that have gratitude. You know, you know, you can tell when your building's not growing. All you do is complain and murmur and gripe and you're mad at this and mad at that. And you just can't stop and say, Lord, thank you that I'm not in hell. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for giving me the freedom to be in the house of God. Thank you for giving me health because I can lose it in a minute. Thank you for keeping my heart beating. Thank you for keeping my mind working. You have been so good to me. Thank you for a copy of the Bible. And not just a Bible, but a Bible that is perfectly pure and has no... Thank you, God. Tell you what, the building is stunted and the Christian life is stunted. You can't grow in God without thankfulness. And the devil works on us tooth and toenail and just shrinks the thing. That's why we have to have thanksgiving. Americans are such hypocrites. We come to Thanksgiving. It's such it should be such a holy time. And people complain about what's on the table. If it's bad, at least don't complain. Just thank God you didn't get rice again today. Amen. If it's bad, just thank God you can still go to the bathroom and flush the toilet. The majority of the world don't have that, you know. Guys, do you understand where our Christian life is? And the unseen visitor, listen to me, the unseen visitor is watching my growth or my lack of growth. And he's not just looking at what I do and don't do. He's looking at my attitude. He's looking to see how thankful I am. Abounding with thanksgiving. May God build in our lives. May we be aware if everybody saw your attitude this morning what would it be like? But there was an unseen visitor that did. And the Lord is here. He's with us. But he's also watching us. And he's also a witness to our growth or lack of it. And I just want to ask you, does the unseen visitor joy as he beholds?